Welcome to the Sharid Sedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Sharit Zedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. As Isaac was nearing retirement, he found himself in a rather successful situation. He'd inherited a significant wealth of flocks of sheep from his father, and he had managed to grow that wealth over the course of his life alongside his wife, Rebecca. In fact, he'd become so wealthy that Avimelech, the king of the land where he was living, persuaded him to take an early retirement. He took his family and sold some of his flocks, moved his family back to the land of his own childhood. This period of his life, after the story of the binding by his father, up to the controversial blessings between his two sons, this period in the middle of his life is rarely spoken about. But I think there's an important lesson, an important message in this middle part of Isaac's life. He's already made his fortune. He's already established his uh, financial legacy and ensured the safety and prosperity of his future children. He's still young enough to work, and for the first time in his life, he follows his own passion. Everything else in his life that he's done, if you think about it, is a matter of what somebody else has wanted. It's what his father wanted or what his mother wanted, what his wife wants or what his sons want. It's at this point that he begins, perhaps, to think about what his legacy will be. Here in the land where he was raised, he sees that his home is no longer the home that he remembers. Instead, he finds a desolate land. The flowing wells that his father had dug were stopped up. They were not plugged and filled by accidents or by the vicissitudes of time. This was deliberate. The Torah does not explain why the Philistines would do such a thing. Why would they turn this well-watered, verdant plain into the wasteland that it had become. It took 2,000 years after this story until Rashi, the most famous biblical commentator, would come along to give us an answer. Why? He explains it like this. In the minds of the Philistines, the wells which improve their land 
also pose a danger to themselves. If a powerful foreign invader knew how prosperous the land was, then they would be enticed to attack and take control of the wells in the desert. In other words, the Philistines resisted improving on their own lot in life because they were afraid of the new risks that came with a better life. So they actively decided to sabotage their chances for improvement and for a life, and instead elected for a life of struggle rather than risk improving themselves. Isaac decided to redig the wells. He believed that he could improve the lives of the people who lived there and improve life for himself and his family as well. Have you ever tried to go out of your way to help a friend or a family member improve their life? Have you ever given what you considered to be sound and thoughtful advice to the benefit of somebody who you care about. How did that go? Well, while you consider that, let me share what happened to Isaac. The first time that he dug a well, the locals did not thank him for his interference. On the contrary, they quarreled with Isaac's workers and tried to stop them from digging the well. They claimed they were fine, they did not need a well, and already, anyway, they had enough water. The second time that Isaac dug out a well, can you guess what happened? You got it. More fighting, fussing, and arguing. Sometimes, no matter how much you try to help someone change for the better, they will resent you for it. That was the case with Isaac. Eventually, he dug a third well. This time, the locals did not fight with Isaac. They finally understood the benefit that he was bringing into their life. They knew that he did not have to, they did not have to fear the challenges that success would bring. And they did not have to worry about the jealousy of others. They did not have to live in desolation just because that's what they were most comfortable and accustomed to. That third well was called Rechovot, which in this context indicates openness, ample space, prosperity. Isaac and those he sought to help finally reached a place where they had room to breathe. I can imagine that Everyone involved breathed a collective sigh of relief when that moment came. It's possible that the story of Isaac and the wells is intended to be a historical reckoning or that it indicates some important aspect of ancient lore. But I believe, I believe that it is an allegory with an important lesson to teach. First of all, people will sometimes choose to live in desolation and desperation if they know no other life. Second, there are often real risks and hurdles involved in making improvements in one's life or the life of a community. 
Change is scary, even if it is a good change. It's important to understand that there's often a method in the madness of those who refuse to make changes that from the outside seem like they would only improve their lives. Third, helping someone improve their situation without their request to do so is unlikely to result in much gratitude. It is only inviting conflict and querulousness. When you offer unsolicited help, there may be something that you don't understand about the situation. The Torah does not explain the puzzling behavior of the Philistines stopping up the wells. It takes thousands of years before we realize that they may have been doing so for a very good reason of their self-preservation. Finally, if you can't help someone right away, even if they give you nothing but ingratitude, help them anyway. Eventually, you may find that they come to appreciate that you are always there for them, that you help them through a hard time. You may both find that you have some room to breathe at last. This lesson is perfectly encapsulated in the famous paradoxical commandments of Kent M. Keith. They are as follows. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, You'll win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only the top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Shabbat Shalom.